Alleluia or hallelujah means praise the Lord. In India this morning, there are millions of people, they're greeting each other saying, Jama Siki. It means hallelujah, praise the Lord. So let's say that together, Jama, Jama. Si, si. Ki. Si. Now put it all together, Jama Siki. Okay, you, you try. One, two, three. Beautiful. Praise the Lord. He is worthy of all praise and all worship this morning. I want to invite you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. If you are a guest this morning, we're so glad that God brought you this way. Welcome. The next five weeks will be in the book of Nehemiah. Last week was our first week, six weeks in total. And today, the title of the message is this, Arise and Build. Arise and Build. And it's very tempting to hear a message from this chapter and what you're about to see and get so distracted by what we think that we can do to serve the Lord. Not saying it's wrong to serve. In fact, this chapter, that's what it's about. Serving, getting your hands dirty, sweating, fighting, serving the King of Kings. But most people in this country Get distracted, and I'm one of them. Every day, there's that temptation. Get distracted by what we can do for the Lord. And, and most of the time, we never even consider, never even give a chance to see what God can do. We don't even give Him a shot to show up and show out sometimes. Because we are so preoccupied by what we think we can do. You see, Jesus told the disciples to go make uh, disciples of all nations. But see, the, the previous year before he died, he told them all the time about this helper that was going to come. Helper, capital H, helper. The Holy Spirit. If you read all of the help, help self books and all of the leadership books in America. And there's some good ones out there. And I'm not saying leadership's bad and study of that's bad. It can be good. In fact, all wisdom is God's wisdom, right? We believe that. All wisdom comes from the Lord. But success is not to go harder, to run faster, to jump higher, to focus more, that's not success. Maybe in the world's eyes, but in the church, success is dependent or not. It is dependent upon whether we surrender and let the Lord build his church how he wants to. And there's a difference. And so my hope today is that as we read through Nehemiah chapter 2, that we lay down our plans, our dreams, and our hopes and acknowledge our own weakness and replace all of that 
All the things that we can do with what just maybe God wants to do in your life. What God wants to do in my life. What God wants to do in our church's life. What God wants to do in our nation's life. You see, our God is supremely powerful. He is full of wisdom. He's unmistakably brilliant. He's eternally wise. He is good. He knows what he's doing. And history's running right on time. Did you know that? In spite of all the chaos, the crazy. So today, as you read this chapter... We want to say yes, God, to your will, yes to your ways, because, Lord, you're worthy of all of it. Did you know he's worthy of all of it? He's worthy for every lips, lips, every body, every heart in our county to be singing to him today. Every single house, every single person, he's worthy of that worship. Nehemiah chapter 2, The first three verses. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, if you don't know that already. Which is time for for our churches and people, believers, to set aside this day to to, to cry out and pray that God would help our nation realize that every life is precious. That God would end abortion in our land. That God would help the church be the example to, to, to tell everybody, hey, every person has value. No matter where they're from, no matter their background, no matter, no matter what. Nehemiah chapter 2, first three verses. And then we'll finish up. We're going to go a few verses at a time. Verse 1. In the month of Nissan, not Nissan the truck in the auto manufacturer in Canton, Mississippi. Not that one. In the month of Nissan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine... And gave it to the king. Now, Nehemiah is talking here. He says, Now, I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick. This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Point numero uno. Nehemiah's heart is broken over the state of the city. Nehemiah's heart is broken over the state of the city. I'm going to invite right now Miss Chloe Reardon to come and read a passage of Scripture. And I hope that it would remind us that every life is precious, that God has a plan for every person. Miss Chloe Reardon, everybody give her a hand, please. Go for it, Chloe. Oh, did you see that? I think your dad rigged that up just for that moment. Oh, it's muted. Okay. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together with, in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your words are wonderful and high. 
And I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from me when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, for I saw me, and I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Wow. Thank you, ma'am. Everybody give her a hand. Great job, Chloe. Every day was written. Even the days, even the lives that were lives that were very short. Even those God redeems and works good out of tragedy. Nehemiah was supposed to be the consummate servant. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. He was supposed to be the guy that the king shouldn't even have to say thank you for Nehemiah to reply, my pleasure. Okay, he was supposed to be happy all the time. He was supposed to be the servant. But on this day, before the king and the queen, he was sad. And why was he sad? There was a, there was a holy disturbance in his heart that had awakened him of a need. You see, the city was broken down. God's city, the city that shined the light of the hope to all the nations. I believe our city is broken. The spiritual walls are broken down of our nation even. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. 60 million plus since 1973 have been killed in the name of choice. Does that bother you? According to American law, abortion is legal. It is illegal according to God's law. This is the most pressing issue that the White House and Congress needs to be focused on. Number one, now we have so many government employees in our church, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. Number two is that they help you guys get back to work. But number one, I mean, what's more important than this? And today, if you are pro-abortion or you're just indifferent to this, I pray that the Lord would change your mind. That just something would, do your research. Go study. Go figure out what is actually abortion in America. Does it bother you that many of our spiritual walls are torn down? Moving on. Verse 4. The king said to me, he says, what are you requesting? Oh, then Nehemiah prayed. Because he, he knew what was coming. You see, he had already got to put it in his heart to, to have this conversation with the king. He knew Miss Queen was going to be right there too. And, and he knew that this was not popular, what he was presenting. He knew that what he was about to bring up was going to cause political chaos. He knew that what he was about to bring up was going to get people killed. And he did it anyways because of obedience. So he prayed to the God of heaven. And then he said, you see, that's always a good idea. Before you do something crazy, pray. He prayed to the God of heaven. He said, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me 
to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him. Don't you love the Bible, how God always includes little details that he doesn't have to? She was sitting there in all of her pomp and circumstance. And the king says in verse 6, he says, How long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Truth number two from Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah has a willingness to be sent and to serve. Nehemiah has a willingness to be sent and to serve. Do you? Do I? Send me. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Sign me up. I'm ready. Hell or high water, let's go. I'm with you, Lord. But most of the time we sing that hymn, Here I am, Lord, and then we, we may sing, Send me, but, or I'll go, or I'll follow you, or I'll follow hard after you. But all the while we're thinking, Lord, here I am, but send so-and-so. Lord, here I am, send that person because they're good at such-and-such. Or Lord, here I am, but send them because they have a lot of money. Or here, here I am, Lord, but I, I can't do it. But I'll just, I'll do what, you know, only what I can, Lord. And, uh, and you just send some other folks. In World War I, there was, you guys remember the poster of Uncle Sam? And Uncle Sam's on the poster and they're trying to recruit troops. And he, he has his finger pointed out and he says, I want you. You know what I'm talking about? I think that's the Lord today. He's smiling over this congregation right now. He is, he is, I believe the Lord is honored and glorified and he's here. But he's pointing to all of us, every one of us. He's saying, I want you. I want you to come and join me. To join what I'm doing. I'm, he's saying, I'm inviting you to come. Get on the glory train and hold on. Come. And, and just see, son, come and, and watch what I'm doing, daughter. Are you willing to alter your schedule around the mission of the church? I mean, really. Are you willing to alter your schedule, your finances, and your plans around the central mission, which, by the way, is why you were born, to bring glory to God and serve Him? You see, it seems like we sacrifice more time and, and effort to help all of these endeavors outside of the church. Not that any of those are bad. I hope not. But we, 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 get, we, we spend a lot more energy on things that are outside of the church. And we, and we give the church and the mission of God leftovers. Oftentimes, that ought not be. You see, the church... The bride of Christ is the plan A. It's not the plan B or C or D. But this church, our church, local churches, the bride of Christ, which spans across denominational lines, that church is the plan A. 
The Bible says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against that church. So we should give that mission our very best, shouldn't we? Should we give that mission? Does that mean we should not serve in nonprofits and we should not uh, serve in the community and not do other things? No, not at all. We should do all those things. But we need to understand that the most precious way that God will multiply what we give and serve will be through the local church. Next, verse 7. And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. Truth number three. Nehemiah's mission required a strategy. Nehemiah's mission required a strategy. You see, there had to be a way for him to get to Jerusalem. And all of the people and all of the smaller nations, if they found out he was a Jew and he came through all of their towns and cities and if he got caught on certain nights, uh, certain roads, whether it be daytime or night, they would kill him. People despised the Jews because they were God's people. It wasn't so much anything about the Jews. They just hated the Lord. People do. People just hate God when they're not repentant, when they're, when they're serving themselves. And so Nehemiah's mission required a strategy. And so he says to the king, he says, King, will you give me some letters? Can you send them an email and let them know I'm coming through and please for them not to cut my head off? That'd be great. Lord, can you help, help me out with this? Because if I'm going to help repair God's city then we're going to need a strategy. And, and I believe that I have an idea that you, O King, can help me. Bold move. Sometimes when you serve the Lord, you have to do bold things. So he asked the king to write these letters to all these people that would have previously been writing the king letters to not let that city be built. So all these people these letters going out to, they probably all have, would have already sent letters to the, to the king to say, do not let them build that city back. We're just fine with them being destroyed, being defeated. So this was unpopular. Nehemiah sacrificed popularity for obedience. He risked his greatest alliance, and that was with the king. Not the king, but the earthly king of Persia that he was serving. He risked his career. He risked his retirement. He risked his insurance. He risked his very house, his, his place where he, where he lived, his refuge. He could be kicked out on the street. He risked his very life for the mission. Next, verse 8. If you're with me, say, who that? Just making sure you're awake. Verse 8. And a letter to Asaph... The keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. I love this book. Isn't it cool? Uh, Here in chapter 2, the next truth is this. Nehemiah's mission requires supplies. Nehemiah's mission required supplies. 
You see, if you're going to build a city back, you have to build it with something. You can't just have an invisible wall. You can't have just, uh, you have to be able to build the gates of the city, which all are symbolic and represent something. So Nehemiah's mission required supplies. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. They were going to have to get these supplies. You couldn't go to, to Kroger or to, some of you guys probably don't even know what Kroger is. You couldn't go to Kroger or Walmart or Sam's or Costco. You, you, you couldn't order on Amazon all the timber and all the rock and all the things you needed. And so he just asked God for it. And God just said, well, hey, just uh, ask the king to send an email to so-and-so and, and just ask for timber. Lord, how much timber? A lot. All of it. So, here's, the, here's something to encourage us. God knows what we need before we need it. He knows. And that encourages us whenever we are about, when we're going through trial and great tragedy, and when life's falling apart and things don't make sense, God already knows what we need before we need it. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China, says this, Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for a lack of funds. And he can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards. And he much prefers doing so. You see, God's work done in God's way is always going to have his supply. If the Lord leads you to it, he'll what? He'll see you through it. You believe that? Anybody experience that? Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. God, I don't know how we're going to pay the light bill. God, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. Lord, my family's falling apart. God, I, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. And somehow, in some way, God pulls you through it. Because he knew ahead of time that you were going to need him to do so. So the Lord gave Nehemiah a vision to build the city, to build the walls. And then God planned all the while to provide the means necessary to do it. The Lord will never ask you to do something that he is not willing to provide the supplies for. God's never going to ask you to do something and then expect you all on your own to muster up, to find, to work it all out. Isn't that good news? He's never going to ask you, he's never going to give you a vision that he's not going to supply. You see, I love what Nehemiah says in, when he asks the king. He says, hey king, can you, send, can you write a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may, what's your Bible say? Allow? Okay, anybody else have a different translation? Give. That's what mine says. Isn't that cool? He didn't say, hey, write a letter to that guy and say, can we borrow some timber? Or can I make a down payment? Or, no, he, he says, can you ask that guy to give me the timber? Well, how much you need? Pretty much all of it. Like, in fact, all the timber you're going to help produce in the next few months, I, we're going to need it. You see, Nehemiah understood this truth, that it was his God that caused those trees to grow. You with me, church? It was his God 
that provided the rain and the sunshine to grow those trees. Nehemiah understood that those trees' greatest purpose lied ahead, not behind. Today, the most, one of the most precious resources in the 21st century is the people inside of the church who are willing to serve. You see, God, he'll provide the supplies. The Lord owns cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns the potatoes underneath the hills. We have to go over this over and over and over because we forget it. He owns the earthworms inside of the dirt. He owns it all. The Lord pays taxes on the universe to himself. He may pay interest on it, except for all the interest goes back to himself. Do we understand the God that we're serving? He's all-powerful. He, he's the king of all kings, and he's worthy of our very best. We are so blessed in our, in our local church here with so many people that have a heart to serve. So many people. Not just one or two or three or four or five or six or seven. I mean, just a whole glob of folks. That, that if, if we have a huge need arise or if there's a mission, a specific thing God's given us to do, God always, our people just rise and just do it. Just, hey, tell me what you need. Let's do it. Let's knock this out. Let's serve. But tonight, if, if, you, if you do not have, if you're not really serving and you want to serve more, I want to give you an opportunity to do so, okay? Tonight we're having something called the Shipyard Meeting. The Shipyard Meeting. You say, what in the world is this? Glad you asked. It's a time tonight at 6 o'clock, right here in this room. Anybody wants to serve, you come. And we'll have some ministry teams that are going to be kind of a few people on paper, but most of our ministry teams are open-ended. In other words, people can join them and, and serve. And you, and you don't have to even have a driver's license. Unless you're on the bus driving team. So, if you want to serve tonight, come at 6 o'clock and just say, Lord, just send me wherever. And we will find a place. Shipyard. There's been shipyards all over the bay for hundreds of years. And those shipyards, you know the purpose of those shipyards? For the ships to come in from the sea and to get repaired for, for all of those sailors to come back home to regroup for all of those people who are working day after day and night after night to come back to get their new marching orders reevaluate inspect the walls so to speak we'll get there in a second so I want to invite you to that tonight. Shipyard meeting. Not shiplap, ladies. Shipyard. So just come. Okay, verse 9. Now we're going to read verses 9 through 16, so we've got to hurry up. Verse 9 through 16. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letter. So he's saddled up, he's got his little team, and he's going. And here we are. He comes to the governors beyond the river. He gives them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen 
But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, servant, heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Verse 11, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. How many? Three days. And then I arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. So his hunting dog stayed back at the house. Just he was on his, this animal that he was riding. Verse 13. I went out, or, or, or his poodle, ladies, okay? He may have had a poodle, I don't know. He was in the palace. Verse 13, I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. You don't want to live close to there. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. And then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. And then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall. And I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Here's another truth. Nehemiah scouted the wall. Nehemiah scouted the wall. He had to scout it out. In other words, he inspected the wall. Good leaders, no, not good, great leaders inspect the walls. They say, is this working? Or why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? Can we do better? Can we do better? I mean, why do do things in the Southern Baptist Church have to be weird sometimes? Can we just stop being so weird? Why why do we have to have all these strange things that we've done for hundreds of years that really aren't in the Bible? Are people coming to know Christ? Well, yeah, we had 10 people last year that we baptized. Praise God, there's a lot of churches that don't baptize anybody. We had a lot of people join our church last year. Praise the Lord. He's adding to our flock all the time. But I wonder what is God getting ready for us to do? Bad leaders get content. Bad leaders stop asking hard questions. They deny the obvious and always choose the easy route. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm not about that life. With Scripture as my source. Students, you know how you have to cite all your sources in those papers that you do not like to write? This, the Bible is my source. Written by God. I believe, based on my source, that champions take the impossible road. Not the easy road. 
You look at all the Bible heroes. They had to do things and go places and say things that were impossible. It did not make any sense. Why? So they could get the glory? No way. So that God could be glorified and people would know that he is the everlasting God and he's all-powerful. Luke chapter 14, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, did not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has enough to build it? Proverbs 24 says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled, and with all precious and pleasant riches a wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there's victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate, he does not open his mouth. Moving on, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, so he keeps all this stuff to himself, and then he finally, he kind of has a meeting. He has a shipyard meeting or whatever kind of meeting they were going to have. And he says this in verse 17, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. Verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And also the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Nehemiah summoned the people to action. Nehemiah summoned the people to action. The words there, it says, suffered derision. It means disgrace. It means shame. Nehemiah says, look, this ought not be the case. God's city, God's people, they should be in shame. They should be in ruin. They should be shining bright. God desires for us to take pride in what he does. To be unapologetically confident in what he's doing. Are you that way? I mean, are you unapologetically confident? Do we, do we really need to have, ask permission to tell people about Jesus? Nehemiah said, come, let us build. And I love this. If you look at this verse, these verses 17 and 18, he says, come, let us build. And why do he say that? Here's why. He could not build the wall on his own. He couldn't do it. Now, God could have supernaturally given, he could have given Nehemiah the strength of Samson. You know, Samson was very strong. He had the long hair. Clemson's quarterback has the same strength. That, that long hair. My wife said watching that game, he better not cut his hair. So God could have given Nehemiah, I mean, he could have like turned him into Superman. He could have built the walls overnight, right? And that would have been very cool. It would have made for an awesome children's Bible story and that adults would have loved as well. And God could have given Nehemiah the, the engineering expertise that he gave Noah when Noah built the ark. But God didn't operate that way. He could have. It was God's desire 
for his people to arise and to build. Isn't that interesting? God could have done it in all kinds of ways, but he chose to use those people, his people, ordinary people. God's preferred method is to take ordinary people and to do extraordinary things. Did you know that? He wants to use you. Take your little bit and make it a lot for his glory. Let us arise and build. Quickly, 19 and 20. Then we'll close. But when Samballot, the Horonite, and Tobiah. Now Samballot and Tobiah, these guys are losers. <laughs> and we're going to see... We're going to see them in the future, okay? We're not going to focus on them right now. But, but these guys, they showed up stirring things up. And it says, the Bible says, the Ammonite, Tobiah the Ammonite servant, and Geshem the Arab, or the Arab, heard of it. And they jeered at us. Jeered. And they despised us. And they said, what is this thing you were doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I love what Nehemiah says. He, he replies, The God of heaven will make us prosper. And we are his servants. We are his servants. We, his servants, will arise and build. But you, you, you guys, you, you have no portion. And you have no right or claim in Jerusalem. Isn't that good? I love that. So here's the truth. Nehemiah stood firm against the slanderers. He stood firm against the slanderers. He didn't let what they said change what God put in his heart. There's always going to people, always going to be those people who are not right with God. They're not. They're not right with the Lord. And they're always going to want to stop what God's doing. And their problem is it's not with you. Their problem is with the Lord. I said it earlier. Their problem is they have beef with God Almighty. And it's not personal, so you shouldn't take it personal. They're not right with the Lord. And so we shouldn't let it knock us off course. We should stay the course. Nehemiah trusted in God's word over the word of these fools. Nehemiah trusted in God's word, which is full of truth, over... The words of these slanderers, and by the way, their words were full of what? Lies. Everything they were saying was a lie. And you'll see that in the coming weeks. God had given his city to his people, and they lost it. They blew it. The city is in ruin because God's people blew it. And here's the beautiful thing about the Lord. Now God was giving them a second chance to take it back. He's giving them a second chance. And probably it was a third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and so on chance. To take back the city. Let us arise and build. Let's pray.